0: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Eric. Santi, Santi. Living life with meaning. And today we want to discover what it is to have a heart to serve. A heart to serve. Now, it'll help us if we take a minute or two to get some context of this letter that the Apostle Paul's writing so that we have a better understanding of what we've just heard. So what we need to know is that Paul is the one that planted this church in Corinth in the ancient world. He came and preached the gospel. People came to faith in Jesus. But he had to go someplace else to plant another church. And consequently, after a period of time, he begins to hear about division and strife in the church. Now, there was numerous reasons for division and strife, but one in particular, it had to do with spiritual gifts. And we'll talk about those in just a moment. But in particular... Uh, There were those in the church that had the gift, God had given them a gift of being able to speak in tongues, and unfortunately they began to feel that that set them apart from everybody else, that that made them spiritually superior to everybody else. So consequently, when somebody begins to feel superior in the church, it's a guarantee, whether it's the church, the workplace, whatever it is, it's a guarantee that you're going to have problems, and specifically you're going to have division, and that's exactly what they had. Now, what we're going to see in this portion of the letter is the Apostle Paul is always pointing them back to a person, and that person is Jesus. Because when you and I get focused on a person, and his name being Jesus, all the divisions, all the, all the difficulties begin to fall away. So that's what we want to learn in this situation. But we also want to learn this when it comes to the spiritual gifts that he's talking about, and importantly, more importantly, what it is to serve God. So, as we think about the words that we've just heard, the first thing that we want to focus on, just what we've just said, is Jesus. So, what I want you to write down first and foremost is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now this is particularly important, but it's also a little bit different, a little bit strange in the context of the passage. Why is he all of a sudden talking about Jesus as Lord if he's going to talk about gifts and serving and uh, humbly being in the the presence of God? Well, I want you to listen to verse uh, uh, 3 with me if you would once again. And Paul says, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. In other words, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you're not going to be cursing Jesus. It's just not in your character. But at the same time, he goes on to say, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to listen to the words as well from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse sixty-two. Uh, Jesus says this to those that are accusing him of blasphemy. He said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, after that, they, uh, they tore their robes. They said that was blasphemy, and that was their excuse to crucify Jesus. But we don't want to miss the power of what Jesus is saying because Jesus is quoting from Daniel chapter 7. He is the, he's declaring that he is the promised Messiah that all the prophets spoke of and that he was there amongst them and this is how they will see him in the future. So consequently, he's declaring that he is the Lord of lords and the King of Kings. Now, What Paul is saying to them is, I want to remind you that Jesus is Lord. Now, for you and me, it might not be all that significant, but it was powerful for them to hear that, and it was very powerful for them to speak those words themselves, and here's why. In the ancient world, Caesar was Lord. And so, consequently, Rome said to the people that it uh, oppressed, You can worship anybody that you want to, but you can never ever say somebody is lord over Caesar. You can never say that somebody is lord over the local tyrant who was Herod Antipas. Yet Paul is saying to them, Jesus is lord. So when they would speak those words in public, and that's where Paul expected them to speak those words was in public, It could guarantee them at times some of them would be arrested, some of them would be in prison. In fact, some of them would actually lose their lives. So it was very, very powerful for them to utter that word, Jesus is Lord, because it would be coming against the power of the local government. But there was something else that's even more powerful that's happening when when he would tell them to speak, Jesus is Lord. What he was teaching them, and particularly in the letters to the Ephesians, was when you speak Jesus is Lord, you're declaring not only to the powers, the government, you're declaring to the dark powers of the world that Jesus has overcome them by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That Jesus has defeated Satan and everything about Satan through his own power and through his own life. So now, what what they're learning is they are the body of Christ. They are not just ordinary people. They are the family of God. And as the family of God, uh, God is ruling and reigning the world through them. Just as 2,000 years later, God is declaring to you and me that we are the family of God. And when we declare that Jesus is Lord, something powerful begins to happen. If you say that in your family, if you say that in your workplace, if you say that in their neighborhood, things begin to happen. Because not only are you speaking to people, you are speaking to the dark powers of this world. And you're declaring to them their reign is over. Because God is reigning in the world through Jesus and through the body of Christ called the church in the world. So when Paul says that Jesus is Lord, he is saying something very, very powerful. And it's being said to us today. To understand that we are the body of Christ. If you're familiar with this passage, Paul is going to talk about the eye, the ear, the hands. He's going to make all these metaphors. But he doesn't choose the body randomly. What he's talking about is you, we, us. We are the body of Christ in a broken, darkened world. And God is ruling and reigning through us to come against the powers of darkness. So it would make sense that we would learn what it is to serve the Lord. And that's the second thing that we want to observe in this passage this morning, is that um, I serve the Lord. Now, as you write that down, I want you to listen to what Paul says in verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. We'll talk about that in just a moment. You've been given a spiritual gift, and everybody's given more than one gift, in fact but the same Spirit is the source of them all. So he's though you have these gifts, they thought they were special, different from one another. Paul is reminding them, listen, don't focus on your gifts. Focus on the presence and the power of God in you and among you because God has a purpose for your gifts. He has a purpose for your service, and it says to humbly serve. He goes on to say, Uh, In verse 5, there are different kinds of service, all kinds of different service, but we serve the same Lord. Comes back to Jesus. Verse 6, God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. It is God Almighty that has given to you and me the, the gifts that he's given to us so that we will serve him first and foremost in our lives. Because thirdly, what we want to see is God has us, turn your paper over with me, God has us on a mission, and the mission is that we have an assignment, and the assignment is to serve others, serve others. Now, what is the significance of that? Well, the significance is that you, the moment that you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have received spiritual gifts. But the gifts that you received are not for you, they're for the rest of us. And so it's incumbent upon you and me to discover what those gifts are because God has an assignment for you. He has an assignment for you here in the body of Christ, here in the church. This is where we get the opportunity to figure it out. This is where we get the opportunity to love one another. This is where we get the opportunity to work things out. This is where we get the opportunity to learn what it is to work in harmony with one another. Because he wants to knit us together as the family of God with gifts and abilities, serving one another, loving one another, so he can then take us out into the world. And once again, we'll talk about that next week. But I want you to see what Peter says about it in 1 Peter chapter 4. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now listen to how he follows it up. Use them well, here we are, to serve one another. He goes on to say, in verse 11, give some examples, do you have the gift of speaking? Well, if you've got the gift of speaking, it's not to talk to yourself, it's to speak to others. The, the wonderful things of God. Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Now, don't miss that. The moment that you trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, you got the fullness and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is your power for life, but it's your power to serve. So that you and I can't say, well, yeah, God might have given me this gift or that gift, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to serve. Well, listen, he will show you how to do it. He's your power. He lives in you. He wants to get out of you. He just wants you to be available to him. So he goes on to say, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. God has an assignment for you, and your assignment is to serve others. Serve others in the body of Christ, but then together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, to serve the world around us. There's an old fable of uh, a man who died and uh, God took him to hell. And what he saw in hell was was extraordinary. He saw all of these tables in front of him and on the tables, people were all around the tables and in front of every person there was a a beautiful meal, an amazing meal beyond your imagination. But the problem was each and every person had a utensil but the utensil was, was longer than their arms. So, consequently, they couldn't get the the utensil into the food and then get the food into their mouths. So, consequently, they were starving, they were in agony, and they were in despair. Well, God takes the same man and brings him to heaven. And when he sees heaven, he's, he's more than astounded because he sees the same exact scene. There's all these beautiful tables. People are all around the tables. In front of each and every person, there is a beautiful, wonderful meal. But the difference is the people in heaven are rejoicing. They're full of joy. They're full of excitement. And they're full of joy and excitement because what they had learned was though the utensil was too long for their arm, they were dipping it into the food and they were feeding the person that was across from them. In verse 7 in this passage, Paul says, "...you've been given a gift." You've been given an ability, but it's not for you. It's so that you will serve others. You have an assignment, and that assignment is, God is calling you to that, beginning here in the church, to serve others. So the question is, will you do it? Will you find out what that gift is? Will you discover what your ability is? And once you do, will Jesus be your Lord? (coughs) Will you serve him? Will you carry out your assignment? Over the next few moments, uh, we're going to take a look at an acronym. And the acronym, if you look at your outline, is SHAPE. It's a little bit corny, but it's out there, and I find it very helpful. It's been helpful for me, and hopefully it'll be helpful for you. But the whole idea is this SHAPE is understanding that God has given to you and me gifts and abilities So that he can mold us and he can shape us into the people that he wants us to be. That you and I in particular would find significance in our lives by humbly serving one another, beginning here in the church and then later so he can take us out into the world. So if you look at your uh, paper and you have a pen or a pencil, the first thing I would uh, encourage you to write down is spiritual gifts. Shape begins S with spiritual gifts. Now, once again, as we've mentioned, and most of you are very familiar with this, the moment that you came to faith in Jesus, you got a spiritual gift. But the majority of all who believe in Jesus have been given given numerous spiritual gifts. Now, these spiritual gifts come the moment that you are born again. Uh, The Bible spells out a number of them in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the passage we're looking at now, but other places like uh, Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 4 through 8 and so forth. But just to give you a couple examples, uh, God gives out the the gift of evangelism. God gave that gift to me. I have a a passion for evangelism. I love to share the uh, gospel with people who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But I didn't have that before I became born again. I could care less about other people before I became born again. But once I became born again, God has stirred that passion inside of me. Some of you have the gift to teach. Now you need, if you've got that gift and you're not using it, you need to be stirred, to move, so that you are using that gift to teach. Now here's why. The Word of God teaches us that God has a plan for our lives. And God has a plan for every single one of our children. But do not be naive. Satan has a plan for your children as well. And he is going to do everything in his power to distract your children, to draw your children away from the gospel, to draw your children away from serving God in the church and in the world. He has a plan to destroy the life of your children. So if you've got the gift of teaching, then it's incumbent upon you to be teaching. Because your teaching is going to make a difference in young people's life. It's going to make a difference in adult uh, people's lives. If you have the gift of speaking, as, as the Apostle Paul just said, well then you need to be speaking the words of God to people who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you also need to be speaking the words of God to encourage and build up those who do know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So consequently, there are numbers of different spiritual gifts. You you have at least one gift, but chances are you have a number of gifts, but it's incumbent upon you to discover what those gifts are and begin to serve the rest of us. Secondly, the H stands for heart. Now for the ancient world, uh, once again, we've looked at this, and that's what the sermon series focuses on, is our heart, because that's who we are. That's the very essence of a human being. So God is focused on our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants all of our hearts. Now, when it comes to the heart, you can think of that as passion. God giving you a passion for different things in life. Whatever it is that you're passionate about, you're passionate because God has given that to you. Some of you are passionate for people with disabilities. You want to make a difference in their lives. You want to bless them in some way. You want to serve them in some way. And if you're not doing that, you need to be doing that. That's the passion that God has given to you. Back in the 60s, there was a a young African-American pastor by the name of Martin Luther King, Jr. God had put a passion in his heart for the suffering of African-Americans in the the southern part of the United States. And he began to give his life over for the Lord and give his life over for the relieving of the suffering of the African-American community all throughout the South. His heart was burning for the things of God. Whatever God has placed in your heart that you're passionate about, God wants to use that to impact the lives of people in the church, but people outside the church as well. Now the A is for abilities. Each and every one of us have abilities. Now these are the abilities that you're born with. They're not the abilities that God gave to you when you became born again. So many. We all have different abilities. Some people have the ability to sing. Ever since they're little kids, they have these beautiful voices. Well, God gave them the ability to sing. Not only that they would have a beautiful voice, but that it would contribute to the kingdom of God. They need to be. You need to be singing for the kingdom of God. Some of you have the ability for business. You can start a business and that business just seems to succeed. Or maybe you can come into a business that's failing. But you have the ability to look at that business. You know exactly what to do. One, two, three. And all of a sudden that business begins to turn around. Well, God gave you that ability. And God wants you to use that ability for the kingdom of God. We need you here in this church to help us with all of the things, all the opportunities that God is giving to us, not only in the church, but what God wants to do outside the church. So each and every one of us have an ability, and God's expectation is that we will use that ability for the advancement of the kingdom of God. The P stands for personality. We all have different personalities. Some are extroverted, some are introverted, and most of us are somewhere in in between. Well, well, God has done that. God has given you the personality that you have so that your personality... Flooded, filled, invaded by the love of Jesus can be used for the, for the kingdom of God, just serving others, finding significance in your life. You look at the, uh, look at the word of God, you'll see that there's all kinds of different personalities. Moses uh, lacked confidence, he stuttered, he didn't want to be used by God, but God overcame that and used him mightily. Jeremiah had a personality. Jeremiah t- had a tendency to be depressed about things that God was doing. Despite that, God used him powerfully. Uh, Peter had a personality. Peter was the type of guy that said, ready, shoot, aim. Uh, he was impetuous. But nevertheless, God used that personality powerfully to impact the, people of, uh, the lives of people in the church, but people outside of the church as well. So each and every one of us have a personality that's, God- that's God-given. The E is for experiences, the experiences of life. Each and every one of us have all kinds of different experiences. We have family experiences. We have vocational experiences. We have spiritual experiences. We have numerous experiences all through our lives. But there's one experience that all of us share together. And that is the pain of life. We all go through trials. We all go through difficulties in life. And what God wants us to know is he is not going to waste one single bit of the pain and suffering and difficulties that you and I go through in life. He won't waste that because he can use that to touch the hearts and lives of others that are going through what you and I either go through or will go through. Now, I can minister to, to a certain degree, people that uh, are enslaved by drugs and alcohol, but I've never been enslaved by drugs and alcohol myself. But if you have gone through that in your life then you can not only serve people, you can empathize what they're going through. They're going to they're resonate with you because you know what they're going through. If you've lost a loved one, uh, maybe a child or whatever, uh, I can minister to somebody that's going, th- that's going through that, but if you've, if you've lost somebody, you can empathize with that person. You can go right where they are. You can go where I can't go. So consequently, God will use whatever pain it is in your life, every heartache that's that's in your life, to minister to those that are going through the same thing. Because God wants you and me to know that there's significance in life. And we find significance when we learn what it is to serve God in the church Amongst our brothers and sisters, this is where we learn it. This is where we figure it out. This is where it all comes together, where we become unified and and uh, and work together as brothers and sisters in Christ, so God can take it out into the world. So, what do we do with this? Well, I don't know if I've got. There should be one more uh, picture there. If you if you get there, it is okay. We all recognize that that Nike symbol, but we also know what the Nike symbol. Uh, what the theme of the Nike symbol is. And it is, if anybody knows it, say it with me, just do it. You know what it is, just do it. So how do you figure out what is my, what is my gift, what is my ability, how does God want me to serve? Well, it's very simple. You just got to do it. If there's something that you're attracted to in the church, you think somebody should be doing that, well, it's probably you, So whatever it is that you, you feel a draw to in the church, you've got to give it a try. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. We'll let you know. If you say, I think I've got to sing and you can't sing, we'll let you know. Cut that out. But you just got to give it a try. you just got to do it. You got, and that's the way God will show you and will work with you. But you just give it a try and you do it and it will begin to work out because we need you and you need us. There's a, uh, there was, uh, unfortunately, a wonderful man of God by the name of R.C. Sproul, and he, is a, he was a brilliant man. He wrote all kinds of books. He was a seminary professor. Uh, he led churches. And um, recently I was listening to him in a recording talk about a church that he served, I think it was in uh, Florida, and he felt led by God as the pastor to train the people of the church to go out onto the streets not cross their fingers and hope unbelieving people would come into their church, that they would go out on the street and they would begin to share the gospel of Jesus. So they did some training and they set aside six weeks and that's exactly what they did. They went out, they went door to door, knocked on doors, they talked to people in the street. And over that six week period of time, many people came to faith in Jesus and many new people came into the church. They got baptized and the church grew. But at the end of the six weeks, it was fascinating because two people in particular approached uh, Pastor Sproul, and the first one was a woman, and she said, Pastor Sproul, I just have to tell you that I've been in this church all my life, ever since I was a little girl, and all my life I've served in this church. I've volunteered, I've worked in the office, I've taught Sunday school, I've sung in the choir, I've uh, done outreach ministry with the church and so forth but I have never, ever experienced what I experienced in this past six weeks. I never experienced what it is like to actually tell somebody about Jesus, to pray with somebody, to see them receive Jesus, to see their life just transformed right before my eyes. And she said, I just don't want it to stop. And it didn't stop to this day. She's still going out, and she's sharing the gospel with Jesus, and she's just on fire for the Lord. But there was another guy. And this guy comes up to uh, Pastor Sproul after it's over, and he said, Pastor Sproul, I just got to tell you, those six weeks were miserable for me. He said, I had sleepless nights thinking that tomorrow I'm going to get up, I'm going to knock on somebody's door, I'm going to try to tell them about Jesus, they're going to reject me, and I had all these fears, and I just couldn't get over it. It was miserable for me. But, he said, during these six weeks, Time and time again, I met people that were unemployed, and my heart just went out to them. And after these six weeks, I believe God is calling us as a church to do a ministry to the unemployed in our neighborhood, in our city. So can we pray about this? He said, God has even given me the, the, the title of the ministry. It's going to be Unemployed Anonymous. Well, they prayed about it as a church, They felt God said, yes, absolutely, this is what I want you to do. And this guy planted that ministry, and to this day, that ministry is flourishing. Two different people having two different experiences. But both of them, it all began in the church, where they were learning that Jesus is Lord. And because he's Lord, they were called to serve him. And because they were called to serve him, he showed them exactly what their assignment was. And because they lived out that assignment, my friend, their hearts, your heart, will be filled with a heart to serve. Let's pray. God, you are great, you are glorious, you are beyond our imagination. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us,